sometimes, even if we're very involved in our own parish, we're not aware of all the great things going on in the parish, and quite often we don't have the, take the opportunity, I should say, that to really let you know everything that's going on uh, sacramentally in our parish. So, let's see. We have a few funerals this month and several baptisms. We always baptize more than we bury. That's a good ratio. First um, confirmation's coming up October 25th. Bishop will be here uh, to confirm uh, many of our ninth graders. Some are a little older than that, our high school students, I should say. October 25th at 1130 Mass, if you want to come to that. We uh, have six weddings over a five-week period this month. People love the beautiful month of October, so uh, lots of people get married up in October. It's pretty exciting. So a lot of things happening within our parish. Um, this month we're bringing six people into full communion with the church. That means they're already baptized Christians, and they've decided they want to become Catholic. Six adults, which is always exciting to see. Um, a lot of those we do on Saturday evening Mass, we kind of move them around a little bit depending on what's convenient for them and what works for the parish. So it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of things going on sometimes that we're just not aware of. I wanted to bring those things to your attention because all of those are great examples of leading people to Jesus. In the example of married couples, the vocation of marriage is for them now to help one another achieve eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And I wanted to bring those things up because leading people to Jesus is what we call evangelization. And we're so afraid of that word as Catholics. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. For this is the third week of our message series that we call the greatest of all time. And you know who the greatest of all time is. We're not talking about Simone Biles, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Wayne Gretzky, Muhammad Ali, Tom Brady, Mike Trout, Willie Mays, or Ty Cobb. We're talking about the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Why is He the greatest of all time? Well, the Bible says Jesus was there before the world was even formed. Then He came to earth as a baby, grew into a man, never sinned healed, taught, corrected, led, fed, died, and rose. He's a mountain mover, a chain breaker, a heart changer, protector, provider, and friend. He is the world's Savior, Redeemer, and King. He is the victor in the battle against Satan and his minions. And despite our sins against Him, He loves us unconditionally. He makes intercession for us with the Father. He's prepared a place for us, and He is coming back to get us, to bring us to Him. Great, I'll say again, is not a strong enough word to describe Jesus. My God, my Lord, my Savior is awesome and the undisputed greatest of all time. That's the main title for today's message, the greatest of all time. The subtitle is Better Together. When we say together, we mean as community. We're, a, we're better as a community of faith. Catholicism is not a me and Jesus religion. It's a we and Jesus religion, which implies community. And the main community of faith that we want to talk about today is your family. The family. 
I mentioned last week that the main reason why I'm Catholic isn't because of some priest, bishop, or pope. I'm Catholic because of the witness of my parents, the witness of my family members, and the witness of my friends who shared their love for the Lord with me. As a young adult, one of my best high school buddies that I worked with at public supermarkets bagging groceries, we used to call each other and say, hey, are you going to church tonight? Not to downplay the influence that priests, bishops, and popes can have, especially when they live their vocations fully, it's just that most people find their way into the church because of the loving and faithful witness of a family member or a friend. That's a certain type of evangelization, and a very important type of evangelization. We talk a lot about evangelization in our church and what our role should be in evangelization. Our bishop is publishing a pastoral letter, which is a document of some gravity on evangelization and everybody's role in it. If you receive our electronic newsletter, you received a summary of our bishop's pastoral letter just yesterday morning. All of us have a role in evangelization. All of us have a role. Let's take a closer look at the family's role in evangelization. Evangelization takes place in many places and many ways. However, it primarily takes place within the family. For in the family, all members evangelize each other and are evangelized themselves. This kind of family relationship is what we call the domestic church. The family's called the domestic church because families are the smallest body of gathered believers in Jesus, as adorable as they may be or as grouchy as they may be as teenagers. The smallest body of gathered believers in Jesus Christ. It's in the context of this domestic church, the family, that we first learn who God is that we prayerfully seek God's will for us and learn to share Jesus with others. The emphasis that our church places on the home and the family speaks to the profound dignity and importance of all parents. However, what are we to do when our family relationships seem shattered? We are to look for love and mercy. Jesus' overall message is always that Christian families are to be a sign of love and mercy and closeness, even when family life remains imperfect or sometimes lacks peace and joy. Mercy is the love which all of us need to experience regardless of our life history or track record. Included among us here today, I am certain, are many divorced, or those who have remarried after their divorce. For those of us who have experienced these things, today's reading from the Gospel of Mark could reopen old wounds and stir again feelings of failure. You may be asking, where's the mercy and love in that message? This Gospel can be hard to listen to. It can be uncomfortable. Divorce is hard and hurtful, certainly. The greatest of all time, Jesus Christ, 
wants to extend His healing love and mercy to you. Jesus' focus on our passage today is on the beauty of the relationship of a good marriage. The gospel is not about divorce. It's about marriage and what makes it so special and so beautiful when it is shared between people who recognize that they are created in the image of God. That is, they treat each other as equals and with complementarity. Complementarity meaning they complement each other with how they share their gifts with each other and the world. Those two things must coexist for a marital relationship to be a truly sacramental marriage, equality and complementarity. This Sunday is also Respect Life Sunday because it kicks off Respect Life Month, October. We have a great respect for life because we recognize that we all are created in God's image. And because of that, all human life is sacred. That is the essence of today's first reading from Genesis. Life is sacred. Relationships too can be sacred if we honor the fact that human relationships are intended to be sacred. All human relationships have the potential for sacred interaction. For we are created as equals, and each and every one of you are precious in the eyes of God. Even when he doesn't take the trash out. Jesus tells us that relationships can be sacred, even with all of our flaws and limitations. In this gospel, Jesus says the impossible is possible by treating each other as God's created in God's image, as equals. We can be part of His kingdom. We can be the wonderful spouses, parents, and friends that we long to be. But so often, we just don't measure up to that. So how is this to happen? Jesus tells us quite simply today, we must become like little children. You see, for a small child, everyone is alike and everyone is equal. It's funny how we forget that as we grow up, per se. Everyone is alike and everyone is equal. The reigning of God or paradise is the reigning of equality. To enter it, we adults must be like small children. That is, we are not to exploit or dominate each other. We are to treat each other as equals. Equality doesn't make sense without complementarity because love only exists between complementary equals. Husband and wife are to acknowledge equality of their dignity as well as the complementarity of their gifts. And if you've never had that kind of relationship, you're missing out on one of those beautiful things which you could ever be involved. So I encourage you to work on that if you haven't experienced it. Is there a perfect family? Probably not. Often we think of the family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as the perfect family. After all, we call them the Holy Family. Remember, though, their family was fraught with tremendous difficulty. They struggled mightily. They knew then and know now what it is to struggle. We should ask the Holy Family to pray for us. We ask friends to pray for us all the time, right? Ask the Holy Family to pray for you and your families. 
Because in today's world so full of broken families, a prayer to the Holy Family can help all Christian families realize their mission to show forth Christ to the world is needed now more than ever. And so is the full recovery of the vision of your beautiful families as the domestic church. The dynamics of a family certainly can be challenging and chaotic, but we are in it together, and we are better together. We need each other. This is what we want you to know this week. Jesus, the Son of the living God, is the greatest of all time. He's waiting for you. He's waiting to help you and your family. For we are indeed better together. As a matter of fact, Jesus' entire family wants to help your family. This is what we'd like you to do this week. Gather your family and pray together a prayer we're going to give you when you leave called the Consecration to the Holy Family. Pray this prayer together. Let's get started now by praying it together. Then you'll pick up a card at the exit. Somebody will hand you one as you go. We want you to pray this prayer at home with your family. Pray it together and discuss it. Discuss it with your spouse, whoever's there with you, friends, family. If you don't have anybody living with you, call somebody up. Pray this together or pray it for them and then discuss the words. What does this really mean? Remember, your family is the domestic church, the smallest, most beautiful, evangelizing body of gathered believers in Jesus. And so we pray here this morning. O oh Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O oh, blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O oh, Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work we entrust our family to you. Holy family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous towards those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen.